Welcome to Money in the Air, the music podcast about neighboring rights, the royalties you earn from the public performance of your recordings and the business of music in general. Brought to you by IFR, the International Association for Artists and Rights Holders. I'm Andrew, a royalty consultant helping artists to collect on their value. Hi, I'm Gina Deacon. I work for Absolute Rights Management and I work with record labels and artists to ensure we claim the royalty income due to them. I'm Stacey Haber and I'm from Inside Baseball Music Publishing. Hi, I'm Tanya Oliveira. I work for Transparency Entertainment Group. I focus on World X USA neighboring rights on the performer side and rights holder side. Hi, and welcome back to Money in the Air, the neighboring rights podcast brought to you by IFR, the International Association for Artists and Rights Holders. And joining me today, as always, are Gina, Tanya, and Andrew. And we have a really special guest today, and I'm very excited about this because you know how I feel about technology. We have Donald Cullen, the co-founder and CEO of Spanish Point Technologies. I will let you say more about yourself. I just want to let everybody know that I'm so super excited about what you do, even though it's Microsoft-based, which I still use and love, but you have matching engine modules in a tech company that helps artists, indies, labels, writers find their royalties and see the bigger picture of what they should be earning versus what they are earning. Hi guys, and um, thanks everybody, Stacey. Thanks for this opportunity to talk to yourselves and I'm looking forward to an interesting conversation, taking your questions, etc. So yes, yeah, Stacey, what we do is um, we're a technology company and we have a focus on the music industry. And I suppose, you know, in a nutshell, our focus on is on trying to solve, you know, what is really the big data problem of the music industry. And for those of us who are, you know, a little older, we might remember when we consumed music and, um, you know, through CDs and albums or on television shows or even radio stations, etc. And if we think about the volume of data that was collected in those days, it's just thousands of times less than the volume of data that's generated today by music consumption. So, you know, once upon a time, you sat in your car, you tuned your radio in, you listened to a song and that was a public performance of somebody's song of some performers. As a public performance, as we all know, they're due to be paid for that, those rights. That public performance by a radio station would generate maybe one record in the radio station, but there might be 10,000 people listening to the song in their car. So that was great because that was a high value transaction. The radio station typically had a license with copyright management organizations, the copyright owners for that for that song and the performance and the copyright, etc. Move forward to today and those 10,000 people have a mobile device in their car and they're listening to a internet based service to consume music. And now we have 10,000 transactions for the same one song that may be played by 10,000 people. So I mean, this is a a data problem that's not an order of magnitude greater than it was in the past. It's a number of orders of magnitude. And in in IT, what that means is thousands or 10,000s of times. So the copyright management organizations and people in the industry have to deal with literally thousands of times more data than they had in the past. And our engineers and our designers sat down to try and solve that problem. And actually, we're trying to solve it with the same technology that disrupted the industry in the first place. So internet scale technology that allows us consume vast amounts of data and uses machine learning and other cool technology to work out what is the song, who is the artist, etc. 
And related to that is the fact that we all know metadata in the music industry tends to be poor. Artists are creative, but they're not great form fillers, right? I mean, right. because they're creative, we have, we, have, we have works and recordings that are the same, but have different names. I don't have the metadata associated. So are associated with them. That's the problem we're trying to solve. And have you found success with the people using the tech now? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think, you know, the great thing about where our industry is in terms of software development, cloud technologies, modern approaches to software development and creating solutions, etc. I mean, there's just a much higher degree of certainty around what we can do and a much higher degree of certainty in terms of how we can produce functionality and systems that leverage the technologies that are available to us in the cloud to actually produce working software. So Stacey, absolutely. We have customers who are using this technology today to drive success, identify more works, turn around transactions faster and create greater transparency. So we know who's being paid and why they're being paid and when they're paid and and actually have better data to actually invoice uh, the service providers so that you know we can go to service service providers with greater accuracy and greater certainty and we all know one of the issues in the music industry is in the long tail so the very large artists often get paid the very large artists and the large publishers etc who represent those artists you know they often sort themselves out maybe with direct deals etc with the uh, digital service providers but as we move down the tail of performances how do we see that those artists get paid and and that's one of the things we can do with this technology because you know by leveraging the cloud using the right technology we can and um, like the cost per transaction is just like a lot lower and allows us to move down the tail. So absolutely, we're seeing success. So happy to hear that. And I have one more quick question, and I swear I will stop and let everyone else ask. Does your tech obviate the need for black boxes within the music users or places? Well, actually, I mean, that is is a good question. And, um, you know, personally, when I think about that, I'm not sure how this is going to play out. Um, We can work with those black boxes, actually. Um, And I think they are going to be part of the solution maybe going forward for some venues. You know, I don't think we removed the total need, particularly for public performances in smaller venues, you know, in locations where maybe gathering data isn't, you know, isn't as easy. So I think, you know, and we're seeing that already with some of our customers where, where we're starting to take that data in and actually use that data to try and identify the works and, and manage the payments, et cetera. I mean, I should say, and I don't want to leave your audience without you know, stating that like part of our solution is a full back office for copyright management organizations. So, you know, at the core of it, and the thing we're very, very proud of is the matching engine and its ability to take in vast amounts of data. But we also manage payment cycles. We also manage works registration, members registration, members portal, distribution, managing distribution pools, different rules for distribution, et cetera. So, I mean, the the matching engine is a full end-to-end solution for copyright management organizations. And we take in data from multiple different sources. So does that mean you act as a rep, the same as we do for people for their neighboring rights? We don't act as a rep. So we're a software development company and we provide our software to a SaaS service to copyright management organizations and indeed publishers and other organizations that need to manage repertoires, need to manage um, you know, information about members, um, are interested in payment and payment pools, etc. So um, we're a software company. We don't manage reps at all. 
So you do deal with neighbouring rights royalties and the affiliated CMOs such as PPL. If not, will you in the near future? Yeah, we have a massive amount of experience of, of working with neighbouring rights. And that is something that we've done and uh, uh, we'll continue to do. And the matching engine is designed um, as a solution for copyright management organisations across a number of rights. Indeed, we've just completed a project in Spain represent literary rights, so rights in paper-based works, manuals, etc. So, I mean, this is an area that I think is going to be really big in the future, Tanya, and I think, you know, we see more organizations moving towards like a standard platform, and we believe our product is standard, and leveraging cloud technology to solve those kind of problems. So, in, in some way, the short answer is yes. Quite a number of CMOs now pay neighboring rights on streaming, and I'm wondering how they're handling the mammoth data that's coming in. Like, I know AIE in Spain, more Eastern European territories that pay streaming neighboring rights royalties. I'm sure they'll need your help or some kind of system to process. You know, that's a core ability of our technologies to help with streaming the rights and streaming services and taking that data in and identifying the, the recordings. So, your target audience is collection societies or is it labels or is it artists or is it everybody yeah yeah it's a good well you know we're a software company gina so um you know yeah. we sell software to anyone right <laughs> so but in terms of our target audience i mean our key audience today is is copyright management organizations so collectives that represent the rights of, of artists you know, they represent the majority of our customers and where our core success is to date. And our solution is, as I say, an end-to-end solution uh, with all of the key, like modules that cover the key business areas that you would expect to see in a copyright management organization. So that's everything from members registration and works registration through to licensing, through to ingestion of data, through to works registration and integration with the other systems and the, the online platform, CWR and things like that. Uh, updating ISWC, integration with that, and then obviously with distribution and payment and generating the EFT files and integrating with the finance system, um, and indeed a member's portal that allows for self-service uh, uh, registration, self-service, and indeed um, identifying works. So if works or recordings aren't, uh, aren't matched, we can put them up there and then members can self-match. So I hope I went through all the modules there, but basically, you know, we're really primed for copyright management organizations. There is a, a you know, a thing happening in finance and investment where funds are actually buying up rights. I don't know if you know about that. And, and they've approached us too, and they're they're keen on, on, on obviously repertoire management. And then publishers are interested in repertoire management as well. And we're, you know, we're going to start working with publishers, um, but they won't need some of the other modules like the, the data ingestion, et cetera. For me, part of the exciting bit is that you customize. So if we wanted to use the reciprocal to the CMO platform, it, you would customize it and scale it to my small business or Gina's large business. And that's, I think, the beauty of Spanish Point is that it can do small, medium and large. And isn't that why you were founded in the first place, to be able to help small and medium-sized organizations? I mean, it's true to say that our business started off in Ireland with small and medium-sized organizations. I mean, we were established in 2005 and, you know, our CTO had actually worked on um, on a repertoire database before we were actually founded. So we brought that knowledge over. And then, you know, we commenced our work in, in 2006 with copyright organization here in Ireland. And, you know, we worked on from there. I mean, we see the matching engine as a standard 
you know, SaaS-based, cloud-based solution that can work across small, medium, and large organizations. And, you know, it's built in a very modern way, you know, with a very modern usage of, you know, basically the architecture, the solution makes it easy for us to scale it across the different user types. You know, for smaller users, we can keep the configuration to a very minimum. But for very large organizations that have, you know, quite particular needs, and um, we can extend it to meet those needs. Just define SaaS for us, please. Basically, you know, what, where we want to get to with software is the same experience that you have when you use, you know, everyday technology, you know, such as, you know, if, if, if you use Facebook and if you, you know, have a favorite airline, you book with them, all internet based, no need to install software on your computer, no need to install software in your organization. So SaaS is the phrase we use for software as a service. So is that, you know, if you have a browser, you can use this system and we manage everything beyond that. So you don't need to worry about security. You don't need to worry about capacity. You know, you don't need to worry about, you know, having computers in a server room and air conditioning and all that old fashioned stuff. We hosted with a, with a, with a technology platform. It's, it's Microsoft. We could host it on Amazon if we wanted to. I mean, the solution is built for that, but they're our partner at the moment and we work well with them. Yeah. Is there any type of pain point from music users, like missing data that is consistently there in like a large sector, maybe in broadcast or in a specific country that is missing data that causes issues with matching? One of the things that we have found is that the industry is unusually anglified, if you like. And, you know, there is an expectation that the data and the metadata is readily available in, you know, in a standard character set, if you like. And I think, you know, that belies the fact that, you know, there's a lot of great creative in Asia and, you know, they just don't write their data in the way we write it. So one of the things the matching engine is very good at is handling, you know, different character sets. And actually we can do matching in Korean and Chinese and Japanese, and it's something we do. So it's quite a, it's quite an unusual feature. And, you know, when we demo this to people, they're usually like, whoa, like that's, you know, but I think, you know, when you ask me, you know, you know, I think, you know, it's a controversial, you know, area actually, but um, like there's an expectation that, you know, artists, you know, who are English speaking with English titles and English metadata, like the match rates will just be higher than for other character sets. So I don't necessarily mean languages, but character sets, you know. So, I mean, a, a song written in Italian, Spanish, French, you know, uh, or Danish or German, you know, the title is still written in the same character set, more or less. And um, there's some subtle differences, but they're not major. But if you go to Korean or Japanese or Chinese, obviously the character set is different. And, um, you know, some of the older matching rules just don't accommodate that. And we do actually. So that's something we set out to do uh, from the start. You know, you say, what, what do we see as the common issues? Like we still see you know, different societies with the same common mistakes in their in their data, you know. So and you know, so we'll we'll correct it in one society and then we'll notice that, you know, a number of societies have this historical, you know, error in their system, you know, just you know, wrong metadata. And you know, that's something where you know we feel that we're gonna try and solve going forward. You know, so so that's a that's a common enough problem, you know. You, you and, and I guess it started somewhere, right? Somebody created some metadata, put it in the system or propagated around, right? And now everybody Thank you very, very much. And thank you for listening. Remember, if you're not already a member of IFR, go to www.iafar.co.uk and hit that join now button.
And remember, go to SpanishPoint.io or SpanishPointTechnology.io. Or you can go to the matchingengine.com. So that's probably yeah, yeah, matchingengine.com. So that's the, the matching engine is the application and, and you'll find it there on the website, matchingengine.com. Great. Thank you so, so much. That was fascinating. Thank you, Stacey. Thanks, guys.